Well, hey, good morning there, Newtown Road. It is so great to see you again. Sort of, you know what I mean? Uh, this is the fourth Sunday that we've had to uh, share our weekly service online. And uh, just was, I was struck this week by what a tremendous gift this is to us, that we actually have the tools in place and the people that can help us uh, make this available to you uh, in this way. But if we're honest, this, this is still not quite ideal. Uh, bottom line, I, I miss you guys. I miss seeing your faces. I miss hearing your stories. I miss hearing us sing together. And, and I mean, I miss, I miss you guys more than a little bit. At first, this little online experiment was, was a bit of a fun challenge. And now that it looks like this might be the way that we're connecting for the foreseeable future, it's starting to weigh on us uh, a little bit more than I thought. But, but I know God has us here for a reason. I know that he has ordained this season. And I'm convinced he's going to do something pretty amazing here, um, bringing some good fruit with it. I just can't believe how well the churches in our area are responding to this and how well you guys are responding to this. You know, we, we've been praying for years, ever since that Barna survey was released and said this place is essentially a gospel desert, we've been praying for that to change. And how amazing is it that this might actually be the means that God is using to answer our prayers? Now, all that to say this, that I know the Lord has led us to this place. I know he's going to lead us through this. But my goodness, a month away from our church family is just too long. I miss you guys. I can't wait to get back together. But I'm so proud of the way that you're staying connected through all this. Our life groups are meeting online. I'm, I'm watching as people are jumping into Zoom calls and, and prayer meetings online. And you guys are doing a fabulous job reaching out to one another, calling each other. Thank you for that. Please continue to do that uh, and strengthen the relationships of our church through this time. A couple quick announcements for you this morning. Uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock is Good Friday, and we're going to do a Good Friday service online, 7 p.m. You can find it right here on Facebook uh, or on YouTube, and you can join in with your family as we uh, reflect on and ponder the death of Jesus for us. And then next Sunday is Easter Sunday. I can't believe that we're planning to do Easter this way, but next Sunday it is. So what I need from you is that at 10 a.m. next Sunday, you break out your very best PJs and join us right there in the comfort of your living room. We are planning something a little special, a little different for you next uh, Sunday morning at 10. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. And I want to challenge you guys. Guys, it has never been easier to invite your friends and neighbors to attend church with you than it is right now. They don't even have to take a shower and get and leave their house. They can stay in their living room and watch with you. Why don't we take this opportunity, Newtown Road? We've been praying for months for 20 friends that we can engage with the gospel, that we can invite to church with us. Why don't we take this opportunity and, and reach out to a friend or a loved one and invite them to, to jump in online and watch with us next Sunday for our Easter service. We'll see you at 10 a.m. next week. Also, I wanted to give you a quick update and just say thank you. Uh, last week was a phenomenal week for giving here at Newtown Road. So thank you, church family, for your faithfulness and giving to the Lord. And if you're part of the Newtown Road family, we encourage you to give online. Uh, you can do that through our church center app. Or you can do that uh, through our uh, website. You can click the, um, the link in the, show no in the notes um, in the comment section right here below uh, the, the video this morning. Just follow those instructions. You'll be able to find that link throughout the, uh, the sermon today within those comments. Now, if you're not part of the Newtown Road family, but you've been blessed by our ministry, you're watching from the capital region or beyond, and you feel led to support us, same, same instructions. Just follow the link that is, uh, that'll be in the comments, and you can give that way. But church family, your faithful gifts 
or what keep us able and keep us um, focused on ministering to our community, ministering to our church family, serving our missions partners around the world, and uh, a broader audience through um, through services like this. Also, want to give you a quick update: the 20 fund. We've been giving $20 extra each month with the intention of giving it away into the community. How amazing is it that God was preparing us for this? To date, we have close to $6,500 in that 20 fund ready to start being released into the community to serve those in need. So good job, Newtown Road. Keep giving, keep giving faithfully just the way the Lord is leading you. And uh, we'll keep trusting him to provide for us. Now, today I've invited Tyler to come back and share some uh, some of the announcements, things that are going on. But to practice social distancing, we're going to have to stay six feet apart. So, excuse me. Sorry. I thought you were going the other way. Thank you, Pastor Matt, and thank you, families. You guys are amazing. Uh, the videos that we've seen, the connections that are being being made on, on social media uh, and beyond are so inspiring and great. And we want to say thank you. Um, this couldn't happen without your participation, without your partnership uh, for the sake of the gospel. And I know things are a little bit different uh, and we're trying to reinvent the wheel in some things, but uh, the message stays the same. And so we need your help proclaiming that message uh, in the way we live our lives each day. Um, a couple quick announcements and things uh, that are going on this week. First of all, tonight, 6th to 12th graders, uh, hopefully you have the link. You've been sent that link. If you need it, let us know. But we're jumping on to a Zoom call all together. The last couple weeks we've had like over 50 people uh, on that Zoom call. And then we break into small groups where you can uh, get to know each other, connect together, talk about God's word together. And that is one of the best ways we have to stay connected with our, our sixth to 12th grade students. And then tomorrow morning, our parents' prayer uh, gathering at 8.30. Again, I can send you the link if you need that, but we invite parents of all ages to join us for that prayer meeting at 8.30 in the morning on Zoom. Uh, and then in addition to those things, we have things going on this week. Wednesday night, uh, just know that something's happening Wednesday night for our family devotions. So join us Wednesday night as we, as we walk through devotions together. And then uh, instead of a family challenge Friday, uh, we're going to change that to a family challenge Thursday this week so that your families can sit around and enjoy um, a good Friday together at 7 o'clock. Uh, but again, church, we thank you for being involved with all the things that we are doing. Miss Heather and I, uh, we're, we're in our, on our team, working hard to stay connected with you, uh, but it's not easy and we continue to need your help uh, to do that. Also, one huge announcement, and this we are very excited about, but we have created a private church Facebook group Right, And this is for friends and family uh, to come onto Facebook, to connect together. Uh, the link is going to be in the comment section right below this video. And so you just need to join that or request to join that Facebook group. And that's a way that you can share what God is doing, share about uh, your reading in the 20s, uh, encourage each other, pray for each other, and stay connected in that way in one big group. So we're kind of combining efforts there to, to create a group where all of our church all ages can come and connect. And so if you have questions, ask, but the link's in the comments. And again, thanks for all you're doing. We look forward to continuing to partner with you over the coming weeks. Have a good one. Let me just slide out of the way. Don't, don't do that. 
Thank you, Tyler. It has been a, uh, a challenge for us for these last couple weeks, but man, the Lord has been so good to us and our church is, is strong. We are staying together. Uh, as, I, as I talk to those of you in the, uh, uh, in the congregation, I know that people are, are reaching out to you, they're connecting with you, they're encouraging you. And guys, we cannot, th cannot thank you enough. That's how we are gonna stay connected. That's how God is gonna see us through as we let the Lord use us to minister to one another. So thank you for that. It is so exciting to be gathered with you this morning. We're gonna be in Mark chapter six again as we uh, continue on in our series um, this morning uh, in the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, we wanna go to Mark chapter six. We're gonna start in verse 45 and we'll go to verse 52. Here's what the Bible says. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore, and when they had got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the, the gift of technology that we can even gather um, under the authority of your word scattered around the region this morning. Thank you for each member of our church family who is uh, joining along with us. We pray for your blessing on them. God, we pray, ask that you would open our eyes to see the truth of your word, that you would open our hearts to receive your message. God, that you would bring faith to those who need it today, that you'd bring courage to those who are frightened, that you'd bring peace to those who are distressed. God, we thank you for the gift it is to have um, first responders and those working on the front lines. Thank you for doctors and for nurses and uh, for uh, food service uh, workers and for grocery store employees. Thank you for those who are keeping our supply chains open during this time of quarantine. And we pray a, a prayer of protection for them. God, that you would keep them safe, that you'd give them strength. Lord, thank you for them. We pray for those within the congregation who are facing financial hardships, God, that you would provide for their needs in, in a beautiful way. Lord, I pray for those who are isolated, who feel lonely, maybe those who are struggling even this week with, um, with dark thoughts, with anxiety, with depression, with mental distress and emotional health issues. God, we ask for your blessing, that you would be their comfort, that you would be their portion and their strength. And Lord, we pray for our church family to rise up and embrace this moment. It is what you have ordained for us for this season. Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful in it, that we'd be joyful in it, and God, that we'd be fruitful. We ask for your blessing on our time in the word today and your hand of blessing on our congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Well, we're going to jump in, like we said, with Mark chapter 6 today and uh, see another pretty famous miracle, uh, one that we've heard of uh, quite often. You'll remember last week we looked at Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000, mentioned in all four Gospels, and we said that he was uh, revealing himself as the shepherd of Israel who, who goes out after the flock and ministers to them in the wilderness and leads them to the green grass. And today we see something different about that imagery, but still something similar as well. The first thing we're going to look at is the team is on the move in verse 45 through 47. The Bible says immediately, which is one of Mark's favorite words, and he's moving, Mark is moving with intention through the gospel, presenting Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Good Shepherd of Israel. Mark is very intentional about how he's unveiling Jesus' identity through these stories and these um, events that we're, we're looking at. Jesus dismisses his disciples. He sends them on their way. You remember last week, they thought they were headed for a mini vacation until the crowd caught up with them. Now, after a long day, a miracle dinner, they're sent back to the boat. And he sends them on their way. He dismisses the disciples and he dismisses the crowd. And now the disciples have left, the crowds returned home. Mark tells us that Jesus went by himself up on the mountain to pray. And I, as I was reading that passage, I made a little note in my notes and I just asked, why did he send them away? What was, what was it about the crowd that he needed to send them away? Well, if you look at John's account of this story, of the feeding of the 5,000, John includes some really interesting information. See, John tells us that the crowd was so impressed by this miraculous feeding that they just witnessed that they began to recognize something special about Jesus. And John's gospel tells us that they, the crowd, sought to make Jesus their king by force. And because of that, he left. You see, it wasn't yet his time. He, he was not yet ready to reveal himself in that way to the masses. The truth is, the crowd is misreading the signs. You see, they thought he was a ruler, but they, they, didn't, they didn't expect him to be that kind of ruler. He wasn't the kind of leader that they wanted. What they wanted was a king to overthrow Rome. They wanted a leader to liberate Israel. They wanted to reestablish their freedom, their national identity, their national autonomy. But they weren't so keen on the idea of a creator redeemer who ruled over every detail of their lives. Alistair Begg offers a great observation on this passage, and I think he's on to something in his sermon on this, uh, this portion of Mark. He, see, he said, it seems like the crowd struggled with a similar sense of confusion here as many in our society do. You see, there's a general admiration for Jesus as long as it's the right kind of Jesus. We will embrace Jesus as long as he isn't too harsh, as long as he's not too conservative, as, as long as he isn't too dangerous, as long as following him doesn't cost me too much of my autonomy and my freedom and my right to self-governance. We, we like the Jesus that gives us comfort and prosperity. We, we might even like a Jesus that returns us to some kind of 1950s era, era uh, Mayberry-style culture. But we don't really want to deal with a Jesus who rules and reigns over the details of my life, who positions himself as a king and a leader in my home, my relationships, my bedroom, my workplace, my family, my finances, my thought life. No, 
No, we don't have a desire for that kind of Jesus. That's a little bit too intrusive of a Messiah. We prefer one that doesn't infringe upon our own authority. My friend, if that is your sentiment, I need you to know that you don't know the real Jesus. What you know is a cheap substitute. And and what you know is a counterfeit Messiah that is really fashioned out of a combination of your own image and the American dream. That's not the Jesus of the scriptures. The Jesus of the scriptures is the divine son of God ruling and reigning as king and king, king of kings and lord of lords and the ruler of my life in every detail. So Jesus dismisses the crowd because it was not yet his time to be revealed in glory as the king of kings and lord of lords. And then he prays after a long day teaching miracles, putting to rest the crowd's desire for a new promotion, You might think he needs some rest, and yet he goes up onto a mountain to pray. Newtown Road, do you think there might be a word for us there in that? Jesus needed and desired time in communion with the Father in prayer because he was exhausted. I wonder how often do we follow that example? What kind of priority do we place on our prayer lives as a means of renewal and refreshment? How often do I forego the invitation to commune with the Father in prayer? May God help us to be more like our Master in that practice of prayer. Thankfully, we're in a situation right now where we've we've got a little bit more extra time on our hands. Maybe for you, um, an investment in a prayer habit and rhythm might be a good way to spend some of that time this week. So the crowd heads home in verse 47. Jesus goes up onto the mountain. The disciples go out into the sea or into the lake as the case may be. The second thing we look at is the darkness of the lake. You see what happens is the disciples find themselves in verse 48 in a familiar place. They're out on the lake. They're making headway painfully, Mark says. And what that means is that the wind and the waves aren't cooperating with them. They're straining against the elements again. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. One of the blessings about being here in upstate New York is that the Adirondacks aren't that far away. And and sometimes I like to take my boys camping. We head up into the Adirondacks. We canoe out into a lake. We set up camp. Have you ever been stuck against headwinds in a small craft like a canoe with a couple younger boys that don't really paddle all that much, right? Have you ever been straining against the headwinds? Have you ever been making headway painfully where it feels like every time you put the oar in the water, the wind pushes you the other direction? I've I've been in those situations where it's just, it's exhausting just to, to row a short distance in those kinds of conditions. These now imagine 12 full grown men on a larger craft trying to row across a body of water that is known for its unpredictable conditions. This is not great. These guys are once again in some serious trouble. And this time, Jesus isn't with them. He's not sleeping in the front of the boat like he was earlier in the Gospel of Mark. From their perspective, he's nowhere to be found. But Mark tells us that he sees them and he saw. And I love that. Jesus is somewhere on the shore, not yet with them in the boat that night, but he sees them. He sees them in their struggle as their their efforts prove fruitless. He sees them in their difficulty. He sees them in their fear. He recognizes them and sees their condition. This This was one of the main points we brought up last week 
But it's a good one again today because the good shepherd of Israel sees us and knows us in our neediness and in the emptiness of our own resources. As we make headway painfully throughout the events of our lives, as we feel like we're at the end of our resources, as we feel like we don't have enough strength to take one more step, we are not alone. He recognizes us in that condition. And he sees them. And the Bible says that rather than just standing on the shoreline and waving his arms and shouting new instructions at them, that he did something unique. He moved towards them. He came to them. And again, this is a a beautiful and powerful truth that we cannot miss this morning. The Son of God, when looking on the neediness and the brokenness and the lack of resources, does not turn on us in condemnation and anger, but turns toward us in compassion. On this Palm Sunday, as on every day, we should hold that truth to be sacred. That when Christ the Good Shepherd saw us in all of our brokenness and neediness, He came to us to seek and to save the lost out of His compassion, out of His love for us. So Jesus comes to them walking on the water. You know, like like you do. Comes out to them on the water in the fourth watch of the night. Or sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. In the darkest of night, in the worst conditions, they've been pulling against the wind for a long time. They're exhausted. They recognize that they don't have the strength necessary to make the trip. And they're alone in the water. And then they see somebody walking towards them on the water. And their first thought was that it was a ghost. And they cried out. They were terrified. Why were they terrified? Because it's 3 a.m. They're terrified because there's somebody walking towards them in the middle of a storm. Of all the things that they thought they might see at 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus walking on the water towards them was not anywhere near the top of the list. The scriptures say that he meant to pass by them. Not that he intended to ignore them and overtake them. It wasn't like it was a race and he's trying to beat them to the other side, but that he intended to walk beside them, to pass alongside them, to pass by them, to reveal himself to them. But in their fear and terror, he does something different. He doesn't just walk by and reveal himself. No, no, he speaks to them. And he says to them in verse 50, take heart, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. What is it? What is it that gives them the confidence and the courage? It's that Jesus is there with them. And isn't that still the case today? It it isn't our exceptional skill set. It isn't our endurance that we've worked up through the years. It's not the it's not the next level uh, research that we've done that allows us to be courageous in a trying time. It is the presence of the Good Shepherd with us. We find ourselves every day in terrifying situations, don't we? We're frightened, we're scared, we're anxious, we're discouraged, we're depressed, we're lonely, we're broke. We find ourselves regularly in difficult situations. What is it that allows us to smile and press on? What is it that allows us to not give in to the the despair and the anxiety and the fear? What is it that allows us to not give in to hopelessness? It's the hope of Christ who's with us. He's right here with them. And then he does something even better. Not only does he walk alongside them to calm them down, 
The scriptures tell us that he gets into the boat with them. There is something so powerful about this. Jesus comes to his followers in their fear and uncertainty. His first move is to speak to them. His second is to get into the boat with them. In the fourth watch of the night, straining against the wind and the waves, he steps into the boat. And as he does, the winds die down. The struggle is over and peace comes to the sea again. And what does Mark tell us about these guys? It says that they were utterly astounded. They were astounded because, verse 52, they did not understand about the loaves. So this, this is tied to last week's passage about the loaves and the fish. They didn't get it. And again, they've seen Jesus do some amazing things in their midst. They've watched Jesus do amazing things for them. They've they've just seen him feed 5,000 men and then some with the children too. And still, they didn't understand. Still, they find themselves muttering amongst themselves that central question that Mark has been trying to reveal and answer now for six chapters. What manner of man is this? You see, their hearts were hardened. They struggled with unbelief. Even with all they had seen, with the affection they had for Jesus, their willingness to follow him, still they struggled with a measure of unbelief. That should give us hope today. It should give us hope that when we struggle to find faith and courage, that we find ourselves in good company. And it should be convicting for us today as well. That that we have seen Jesus do some amazing things. We should be able, as we mentioned last week, to trust him. But they don't quite understand. And then something crazy happens. They, they get to the other side and you see a contrast with the crowd that they meet. They dock on the shore and, and the crowds immediately recognize him. And they bring to Jesus the sick. Even those who are on their beds, they carry them to wherever Jesus was. And isn't it interesting to see here that Jesus' own disciples, those who are on the inside, they struggle to grasp his identity. But the crowds of people, upon seeing him in Gennesaret, rush out to him with the sick and the infirmed. They knew exactly what they could expect from Jesus. The miracle worker, the healer, had shown up. This is a prophet who's able to feed the masses. The crowd had a sense of confidence in Jesus' abilities, and still his disciples didn't. Again, forces me back to that question from last week. How much of Jesus would I have to see in order to be ready to trust him? In verse 56, we're told that healing comes to the region. In the villages, in the cities, in the countryside, wherever Jesus finds himself, he brings healing and freedom. All who touched even the fringes of his garment were made well. A little little throwback to the woman with the issue of blood from a few weeks back who reached up and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. The picture here is one of Jesus moving among the needy and the sick, healing all who are brought to him, giving every indication to whomever is paying attention that he indeed has the power over creation demonstrated in this ability to heal. What manner of man is this? That he can heal sickness and disease, calm the seas, feed the thousands, raise the dead. Mark is clearly communicating that he is a unique person with the power to heal. All right, so what? 
What does all that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me today? We're not caught in the middle of an ocean. We're not stuck in rocky seas. We're not, we're not seeing people walk on the water out to us. So how are we to look at that passage and seek God's discernment and come to some points of application today? Well, the, the first thing I think we can see is that with the, with the disciples again confused about the true identity of Jesus, it seems good to bring our attention to this question that seems to have worked its way back into our passage yet again. What manner of man is this? And let's, let's be honest this morning. In response to that question, what kind of man is this? It's good to consider that the crowds were looking for a different kind of Messiah. They wanted a Jesus that behaved a little bit. They wanted a Jesus that could give them uh, benefits that they desired. Freedom, liberation, respect, national prosperity. But they weren't necessarily looking for a king of heaven come to earth to rule and reign over every area of their lives. And maybe today you need to consider that question. What manner of man is this? What kind of king does Jesus reveal himself to be? And what does that have to do with you and me? Have you ever asked that question? Maybe you're part of the church family. You've been here forever. Maybe you're just watching from at home. Maybe, you're, you, maybe you've never even been to our church. You're just a friend of a friend stumbling across this thing online. Have you asked that question? What manner of man is this? What kind of Jesus is this? What kind of king did he claim to be? Today would be a great day for you to start that journey. Grab your Bible, open it up, and begin to read the accounts of Jesus' life. But do so with an open mind and an open heart. And ask that God, in all of his wisdom, would show you exactly what you need to know. What manner of man is this? And the second thing, and finally, this is, I think, really is the big point of this passage today, is we see Jesus continuing in this imagery of the Good Shepherd from last week. You see, there, last week, he met the sheep out in the wilderness and he feeds them the green grass. Here, here this week, we find the compassionate shepherd moving towards his disciples as they are weak and exhausted from their own efforts. You see, the good shepherd sees the sheep in the emptiness of their own abilities and moves towards them in compassion, which is a wonderful thing to ponder this Palm Sunday, isn't it? That God in his wisdom and mercy looked down on his creation and sees their need. Not only physical needs like hunger and homelessness, but God saw spiritual needs as well. He sees humanity separated from himself because of sin. And that's a loaded word, but it should not frighten us or scare us. What that simply means is that you and I are in many ways not God. We, there are innumerable ways that you and I aren't perfect like him. Our will, our character, our nature isn't perfect in morality like him. We are not infinitely wise. We are not infinitely holy. We are not fully righteous. We, we are sinners. We have broken God's law because we were born and conceived dead in trespass and sin. That's what the scriptures teach us. You see, our thoughts, our minds, our activities all betray our true condition. And we try as we might, we can't fix that. And see, many of us, like the disciples we saw today in this passage, many of us have tried with our own efforts to solve those problems in our lives. And the reality is that we, we are not able to close the gap between God's standard of perfection and our 
reality of sinfulness with our own efforts. We find ourselves exhausted, making headway painfully, resources used up, and hopeless. But God, in his great mercy, sends the Lord Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die a brutal death on the cross, offering himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins in order to bring us close to God through faith. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures that we're going to celebrate that next Sunday. And all who believe in him, all who turn away from their own pursuits and their own efforts and turn to him in faith, all of those people can be brought into a right relationship with God, can be saved from the effects of sin in their lives, can be made righteous. That is the message of the gospel. That these great historic Christian events that we're celebrating this week were demonstrations that God was at work in the world reconciling to himself all things through the blood of the cross. And the passage today is a perfect illustration of the gospel. Jesus Christ, looking down upon his disciples at the emptiness of their strength, does not turn away from them in anger and frustration and condemnation, but again turns toward them with compassion joining them in the midst of the storm. And praise God, in the middle of my own emptiness, in the middle of my own moral inability, God did not turn on me in wrath, but instead came to me in compassion through the message of the gospel. Jesus Christ laid down his life to cover over my sin and rose to new life again, securing once and for all victory for me over sin, over death, over hell and the grave. What manner of man is this? Have you considered that question? What kind of king is this? And then, have you trusted that Jesus? Have you trusted the Messiah? Have have you turned to him in faith? Have you believed on Christ? Have you been saved today? The shepherd we serve, the good shepherd of Israel, is not one who turns away from us in anger and frustration, but instead moves towards us in compassion, freeing us from sin, liberating us from our enemy, healing our sickness of soul, and uniting us with him through faith. Church family, I pray that you have made that commitment to the Lord. And if not, then let today be your day. In the quietness of your own living room, turn to Jesus for faith, in, through faith for healing and forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you once again for the opportunity to gather in our living rooms around the region, to open the Bible and to study what you've said, to be encouraged and fed and built up and strengthened together. God, I pray that the message of the gospel would would land, um, land home in the hearts of our people, that we would be a people marked by the love of God in Christ, that we would be a people of faith who have turned away from our own abilities and turned towards you, for forgiveness and healing and grace. Lord, I pray for those in our congregation who this week uh, need your compassion because they're at the end of their own resources. They're tired, they're exhausted, they're scared, they're frightened, they're anxious, they're worried, they're sick. Lord, they just need a touch. I pray that you would, as the good shepherd, move towards them in compassion. 
Lord, I pray for our church family that you'd strengthen us through this time. That what the enemy intends for evil, God, that you would use for good. That our relationships would be stronger than ever. That our appreciation for the gospel and our appreciation and desire for the gathering of, the, of God's people would be stronger than ever. That our joy in you would, be, would grow exponentially through this season. That our, our ministry mindset, that we'd be focused and clear, that we would see opportunities and meet them under the leadership of your spirit. Pray that you'd strengthen our families, strengthen our church family through this, strengthen our sense of calling to be light and, and a witness in this time for this season. And God, we just rejoice in the goodness that you've given us and all that you're doing. We pray that you'd continue. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Newtown Road, I thank you once again for tuning in with us. It is such a privilege and an honor to be able to come into your living rooms in these last few weeks and teach the Bible to you. I pray for you that, that you will be strong in the Lord through this season. Uh, don't forget to tune in on Friday night for our Good Friday service at 7. And next Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, 10 a.m., we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, until then, I miss you. I'm praying for you. I can't wait till we're all back together again. Until next time, Newtown Road. That's off now. We're good. My God!